Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Exodus chapter 12 and reading for our text, verse 13. Verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Exodus 12, verse 13. And a couple of portions in this verse, specifically upon my spirit. The beautiful promise there, when I see the blood, I will pass over you but also the first part of the verse, the blood shall be to you for a token. The blood shall be to you for a token. Now the Passover was that which God gave to the children of Israel to very clearly set forth the sacrifice that our Lord Jesus Christ was to offer up at Calvary. Many of us in our churches, we would be familiar with this, but I remember many years ago now having one of the missionaries from Israel come to a local church in the town here and explain how the, the Passover actually is observed and observed today and what it signified. And I was quite amazed to find that a large proportion of the church-going congregation there had never, ever considered that thought. They had never, ever linked the Passover with our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a solemn thing when we have the word that so clearly sets forth what our Lord was to do and the types and the shadows of the Old Testament and not to expect to see or not clearly see the sacrifices that are setting forth what our Lord would do. Paul is very clear in Hebrews that the blood of bulls and of goats can never take away sin. It is only the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in his first epistle in chapter 5, he says in verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Let us, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And he applies the truths of the Passover in a gospel sense, clearly setting forth the Lord Jesus Christ as our Passover. 
Or when he writes to the Hebrews in chapter 12, uh, he says that we are come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. We would remember that the blood of the Passover was sprinkled upon the doorposts and upon the lintel of the houses wherein they were. Our Lord, when he came to the disciples, before he was to suffer, he said to them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Lord himself, the Paschal Lamb, observing really the last rightly offered Passover that ever there was to be, because he was to fulfil it, and it all was pointing to him. And I hope that we can see that too. I hope we can see uh, the emphasis on the vital need of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If ever there is to be deliverance from bondage, like the children of Israel, deliverance from bondage in Egypt, nine signs, nine great judgments that never affected the release of the children of Israel, it contrasts with what happened when that blood was shed, immediately they were released. Nothing else will do but God's provision. And so I want to look this evening at really two main points. Firstly, of the Passover itself, And then secondly, of the blood being a token to them and to us. Firstly, with the Passover itself, it was a divinely appointed ordinance. And we would say a divinely devised appointment as well. Nothing had been done like this before. God chose how it should be observed, the very parts and elements of it, and exactly how it was to be carried out. It is easy for us to pass over something like that, or a statement like that, and yet really what is set before us in the Word of God is not man's devising of a way of escape from death or the wrath to come, but God's devising. Man all the time, he wants to devise his way. He wants to choose his way. He wants to decide how he should do this or that. But when we come to portions like this, and which was of such great importance for the children of Israel, when we think, The Word of God is the inspired, infallible Word of God. It is also the history of the world that through Israel, God's chosen people, they were people that sprang from Abraham, that were built up in uh, Egypt and that were brought out then by God and now still 
a nation and a people that the Lord chose to bring forth from them his beloved son, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. And so what was actually done here, we can look at the record of it, we can see what God devised and what happened, and we can see that they were truly brought out of Egypt. But the point is, this is God's choosing, and this will apply to every aspect of our most holy faith, in everything that is required. He is all chosen by God. Last Thursday, we spoke in part of our series, The Way, and on the narrow way, and ten, ten points of where our Lord so clearly sets forth how he makes the way narrow, how he describes what the way of salvation the way of escape from the wrath to come is to be defined. It's not man choosing it, it's God. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Many will say that they worship or they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they do not realise that the teaching of our Lord makes the way of salvation very clear and very narrow within the confines that he makes it. And, of course, the, the first point that we made was that the way is the Lord Jesus Christ alone, that there is no other way of salvation. And that in itself is so offensive to many. Some will acknowledge that the Lord is a way, but other people can get saved by some other ways. And there's many people that think that. But all the time they're defining their hope, their salvation, what they're resting on, on something of their own devising and own interpretation. Well, just using this as the Passover as an example, but look at it in every aspect of the Church of God. What is required, what is vital, what the ordinances are, what the Lord's prescription is for the churches, for its officers, for believers, all the things that are set forth that God would have us to know of his pattern and his way are set before us in the word of God. And they're not copied from uh, some philosopher or some things from uh, years ago. This is God's devising and God's appointment. Many, many have imitated and copied the things of the word of God. But may we clearly see the Lord's hand. And we see this with the Passover. The Lord speaks to Moses. And in the portion that we read, Moses is to speak unto the congregation of Israel. In chapter 12, verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. He wants to be the spokesman for God. And so of the Passover, a divine appointment. The second thing with the Passover was that it was the sacrifice of an innocent life, a spotless life. It had to be 
a spotless lamb or spotless kid of the goats. And it was to be offered. There was no cause of death in it. There was nothing wrong with it. And it was offered uh, as a sacrifice. How clearly this pointing to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who had no sin, neither was any guile found in his, in his mouth. He was the spotless Lamb of God. He is truly uh, no cause of death in him. As Pilate said, I find no cause of death in him. He could not see that on him were laid the iniquities and sins of all of his people. But it is vital for us to look from that Passover institution and to see our Lord and to see him as spotless and pure and as that true lamb, the antitype of what the type was setting forth. It was also to be a substitutionary offering. God had said that he would pass through Egypt that night and that the firstborn, every firstborn, would die, would perish. Those of us that are firstborn in the families, no doubt we've all, as I certainly have, always thought of that. Thought, well, if I was in that house and I knew that if these things were not done exactly right, then it would be me that would be dying. I would be the one that perisheth. Of all those in the household, it would be the firstborn that would say to their parents, make sure you do this exactly right. You observe it right because it's my life that is at stake. It wouldn't have been so critical, would it, to the others? Yes, they would have not wanted a loved one to perish, but... It was not going to be them, but it was to be a substitute. That lamb, that firstborn would have looked at that lamb. That was dying, so I don't die. That is dying in my place. The blood is being shed by that lamb. It's the same as when Isaac was bound on the altar and Abraham was to offer him up. And God stopped him and showed him a ram caught in its in the thicket by its horns. Its horns so its fleece was not torn. It was still to be spotless. And he offered him up in the stead of his son. And Isaac would have looked at that ram when it was slain and when it was burned. That is in my place. That would have been me. But it's not me. It's a substitute. It's in my place. Tis Jesus in the sinner's place. God chose this for this Passover so that in those households they would see and be taught the teaching of a substitute. When Christ comes, when the seed of the woman that should bruise the servant's head come, he shall be a substitutionary offering. He shall be a spotless offering. He shall be an offering by divine appointment. And dear friends, it was a sacrifice that was effectual. We can look back to that 
time. We can say this. Did the firstborn die? Were they saved? Did it work? It did. We are told that with the houses of the Egyptians that there was death, there was sorrow. But in the houses of the children of Israel there was not one dead. It was effectual. And then we can look at the other side. It was effectual in something else as well and that is loosing from bondage because the nine other great plagues had never released them. In fact, they made their bondage worse. But when the blood was shed, then they were released and then they were brought forth and we, we're told that they were brought out with a strong hand, with a high hand, out of Egypt, never, never to return. Yes, they look back and sometimes they once... They, they, they did return, but in, in rebellion against God's command, they were not to return back into bondage. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. God cannot demand two payments of one, of one price. He must uh, be just in what he, he, he does. If the blood is shed, when the blood is shed, then there must be that release. And uh, we can see that this was the case here. We can transfer that into a gospel sense as well. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed, that offering that the Lord made, it is effectual in putting away the sins of his people it is effectual in saving them from eternal death and destruction. It is effectual in releasing them from Satan's bondage and from sin and its chains and from the demands of the law. It is effectual, the same as the Passover was effectual with the children of Israel. Then the Passover was to be in itself a sacrifice to be remembered. They had to have this as an ordinance forever. And we already mentioned how it was still being carried on at the time when our Lord was to be offered up. It was to be in such a way that it provoked their children to ask what meaneth. Ye by this sacrifice, that they should never forget that. And we should not forget what it points to either in the New Testament church. It provokes those who are ignorant of the truths that are set forth in it to have something to ask about of those that do know. And they were to pass it from one generation to another. And several times in the history of Israel, they observed great Passover. Solomon, Josiah uh, were those that offered up, Hezekiah offered up great Passover uh, times. 
So the Lord has given the people of God in this time that which they're always to remember and point to. Now think about this with the church of God today. Has not the Lord given a very similar sign in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper? This do ye in remembrance of me. Has he not given it in the ways often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. The Lord instituted it at the Passover time, while they were eating. That is when the Lord instituted the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. In effect, it was, this is for the Old Testament church to look forward to my sacrifice at Calvary, and this ordinance of the Lord's Supper is for the New Testament church to remember what I have done and have accomplished at Calvary. You should never bypass the light of the gospel. They saw through a glass darkly. Well, Paul says we still through see through a glass darkly when we're looking to eternal things to come. But the Old Testament church, it hath not entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for them uh, that love him. We read in Isaiah that pointed to that generation could not picture where the gospel, a message of salvation went right through the whole world in the churches that we have and how it is proclaimed and preached in this way. Israel of old, how could they have pictured the spread amongst the Gentiles and what it was? Uh, but so in the light of the New Testament, in Christ sufferings, his death, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, it points back, it points very clearly to what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. This is the blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. The church is one church, but we have different ways of remembering with the Jews in the Passover and for the one church, Jew and Gentile believing together in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I want to look, secondly, at of the blood being a token to them and us. Our text reads, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, if we picture here, we picture the blood is to be a token to you. But then the Lord is saying, when I see the blood, so the blood is doing two things here. One, it is a token to those who are sheltering beneath it. And the other, it is that which God sees and is the cause that he passes over. 
a token is not the actual thing, but it's a pledge of it. It is, I suppose you might say, with the money that we, we use in our currencies, in one sense they are tokens, because the piece of paper in itself has no value, but is represented by gold bullion in the, in the vaults in the land. Uh, that is the real thing of value, not bits of paper, but we know the value of the token and what it was, what it gives. We, we have many other examples of where we may have just a piece of paper or a medallion or something like that. And that token is what is then recognised and entitles us to further benefits and blessings, substantial ones. And so with the blood here, it's spoken of as a token to you, to you. How then? How is it to be a token? How it was a token to them? How it is a token to us? Now I want to make one uh, distinction here, and that is concerning the blood. There has been controversy sometimes in the Church of God where some have said, well, uh, it's not the blood that saves. It is the death of our Lord. And some have tried to separate and divide the blood from the life. But it, it, it is not a, not a valid division or a reason for controversy in this that always it's spoken of as that there is death, that there shall be this, the slain of this animal. We think of verse 6 and 7 in chapter 12. You shall keep it, this is the lamb, up until the 14th day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. It's left in no doubt that this lamb has been killed. It has lost its life. And they shall take of the blood. That's why the blood was forbidden to be eaten, because the blood is the life thereof. It is inseparable from it. And, uh, and some people have said, yes, but if, if we just cut ourselves and we can, perhaps even when we, if we're giving blood, we can give a litre of blood to, to someone. But, but it hasn't cost us our life, but we, we've shed a lot of blood. But this is separating what is not separated in the word of God here. All the time when we uh, speaks of the blood, it's speaking of the blood being shed when a life is taken, when there's been death. And the reason for it is because it's a life for life. It's a save from death. It's a give life. And... That is why it must be the life laid down. I lay down, says our Lord, my life for the sheep. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. But now why it was a token for them. We read 
and Moses giving on God's behalf the direction and guidance to them. Now he said before this was God's devising, it was a new thing, and yet we read that the people, they, in verse 28, we didn't read as far as there, that the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. They believed. They believed this was God's appointed way. This was Moses' concern when he was first sent to the children of Israel in Egypt. They will not believe me. But the Lord gave him signs and the Lord said that they would. It is Christ that makes a believer that gives the crown and it is the blessing of the Lord. This is the work of God that ye believe in him whom God hath sent. And so one token here for those that applied that blood, those that were sheltering beneath it, was that they believed the prescription. They believed what God had said was the way of escape. Without any alteration of changing it, they, they believed it. Now apply that, we think of on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given, when it was charged upon them that they had slain the Lord Jesus Christ, ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain, him that was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. They fell under it, they believed, they were pricked in their hearts and then they were told about what had been done, that this was the offering, this was the Christ, that it was not done to destroy them, but to save them. This was what was foretold in David, that the Lamb of God should be slain. And those that believed, those that gladly received the word, were baptised. It was joined together, a token for them, that they received that method and that way and God's provision and believed it. The second thing is that they obeyed. They actually did what God had provided here and walked it out. We think of the contrast and in the gospel uh, day sense of in Romans 10. Romans 10, Paul is desiring the life, the blessing of his own countrymen and he bear them witness that they had a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. And he put it this way, they were not obedient unto the gospel message. Paul had been very clear to them. He had been setting forth the word, they'd heard the gospel, they'd heard it preached, they'd heard Christ preached. But they were going about to establish their own righteousness and had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Those who are seeking salvation by works of their own, they're not believing, they're not following this Passover prescription. They're trusting in themselves, they're trusting in their own works. Paul could see this with the Galatian church, that they'd accepted first the 
message that had been given to them of the gospel, but then they'd gone back to wanting to uh, observe the circumcision and to fulfill the law. And Paul says that if ye then go back to the law, you have fallen from grace. You will not be saved in that way. They were not like these uh, believing uh, Israelites. And so the obedience is for seeking that salvation which is solely through Christ alone and in faith in Christ alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And that is a token. We think of the Lord telling the parable of the Pharisee and the publican in prayer. And the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He had nothing of his own works to plead. And God said, that, and our Lord said that he went home to his house justified rather than the other. He was speaking of his good works, his tithing, his offerings, speaking of everything that he was doing good. When we speak of the obedience here of the Israelites, we're not speaking of an obedience and fulfilling the law and by our own obedience uh, obtaining salvation. It is obedience unto the gospel. In other words, seeking salvation on mercy's ground, grace's ground, faith in what Christ has done and not in ourselves. What power had they or the things that they were doing here even without the Lord honouring it, without the Lord staying the angel, without the Lord knowing who was the firstborn and who was not, they could not be saved. And so the, the, the token here was that obedience to God's plan of salvation for them. May that be our desire. Lord, make me obedient to thy plan of salvation, thy way of escape from the wrath to come through Christ and his blood and his sacrifice at Calvary alone. Then it is the trust. You think of how it would have been that they put the blood on the doorpost, the, the lintel, they went into the uh, house, they then... Uh, observe what was to be done there and then they had a trust all that night now you can imagine sometimes we might lock up the chapel here we get halfway down the road and think did I lock it did I lock the back door and I've got to go back and we've got to check it all and yes we had locked it but you imagine what that had been have we applied it can it be seen? Is it really there? How much was trust there? Trusting and relying on God's plan and what he had said and what he had set before us to, to do. And so that token is in our trust. When the Lord gives that trust, how many times the Lord said to those that came to him, thy faith hath made thee whole. What is faith? It is trust. Trusting in the Lord. Coming to him, the woman. Lord, help me. 
And she kept coming. She wouldn't be put off. Why wouldn't she put off? Because she knew that was the only one that could do her good. He was the only one that could help her. You think of the disciples when our Lord was insisting, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And he said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They went back. But when our Lord said to them, will you also go away? They said, to whom can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. They could not go away. They clung there. And there is the token. If you and I have that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is our only hope, our only trust, our eyes are there alone. The Lord's taken it off ourselves by painful showing us what we are, our sinfulness, our vileness, our corruptness, how that we cannot keep ourselves. And that if we could promise for each a good to bring, then, and our salvation depended upon it, we could never be sure of our salvation. But it was also a token in an anticipation. In the prescriptions of what they had to do, they were also to eat that flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. Many of these things they are setting forth what is a true token for a child of God. We just mentioned our Lord saying in John 6, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Spiritually feeding upon Christ's death and sufferings. And in this sacrifice, there was also an eating of it. It had to be roast with fire, the wrath of God. It had to be with unleavened bread. Uh, Paul explained that there. Without sin, without corruption, Christ is a, is a holy way. It is seeking in the sincerity of the gospel, not, not pure, not spotless, it's for sinners, but it's for those who, like our Lord says of Nathaniel, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile, he was what he was. He, he wasn't devious, he wasn't subtle, he was clearly an Israelite seeking for the salvation of the Lord and desiring the way of eternal life. The Lord knows where a person is just a, well, sometimes a Christian, sometimes not. When it suits them, they are. When they're not, we do this, but if it doesn't suit us, we won't. And he knows the difference between one that really is concerned with their soul, their soul is valuable, they want the way of salvation, they're concerned that it is right with them, they want a token, a true token, they know what will happen if it's not true, if they cannot rely on this, they will perish, they will be destroyed. They're an honest and an open person, the Lord who knows the hearts of all men, he knows, you know, Peter, when after he denied his Lord and Master three times, and the Lord said to him three times, Lovest thou me? He said, Lord, in the end, he said, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Now he knew the Lord could read his heart. 
And I believe that is a true token with us too. If we can truly say, Lord, Thou knowest my heart. Thou knowest with all my failings, all my uh, poorness, all my uh, unbelief, that I truly do desire Thee and Thy way of salvation and Thy people. That is my real desire. And that is a true token. That's anticipation then and a feeding too upon the uh, Lord Jesus Christ like they had to to feed upon him. But there is this uh, another aspect that they, in verse 11, they shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. They were observing it with a full anticipation. This is the way that we are to be released and set free. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. This is a soul that virtually is saying, the Lord appears for us this night and we are free of this bondage. Yes, there's been nine signs before and they weren't effectual, but this will be effectual. This is where we may truly hope and truly have an expectation. And again, we mentioned before how effectual this was. They did go out. They were brought out. And the Lord had clearly said that they, they would do this. How much do we believe in how effectual is the precious blood of Christ and how much worth it is when the Lord, who is the author and finisher of faith, gives us faith to trust in him. Forty years later, after this Passover, the children of Israel came up to the borders of Canaan and they came over and they were to destroy Jericho and they sent spies out and they came into the house of Rahab and Rahab, she believed that God had given them the land. She knew that they were destined to be destroyed as a people in that land. And they remembered 40 years before when God had divided the Red Sea and brought Israel over. Very soon they were to see that same passing over, not the Red Sea, but over Jordan, with Jordan banked up. And that must have been a fearful sign for those who remembered 40 years back. And some of you here cannot remember 40 years back, but some of us can. And to think of something that had happened then, now by just report, and now it is happening before our eyes, and we are seeing that. It must have been a terrifying sight for the inhabitants of Jericho. But Rahab, she believed. She believed that her city was to be destroyed. She believed that God would give Israel a city. But then, as much as she believed the sentence of death, she wanted from those messengers a token, a true token. She says, give me a true token, a true token that she would not perish. And all within her house, her family that she brought in, they wouldn't perish. And the token that they gave was the scarlet line that she let the spies down from the window on. 
No doubt that gave them as they saw that line. We shouted beneath the blood. Put that scarlet line in the window and you shelter beneath that. God honoured it because the walls of the city fell flat. Rahab's house was on the wall of the city. It was a miracle that her house wasn't destroyed with the city. God honoured that, what they said. It was a true token. And so we have repeated the same principle. We have a people that are trusting in that token, in trusting in what God's own provision and what he has said he would do to deliver them and save their lives and, and seeing that that was done. Their lives were saved, they were delivered. And Rahab is in Israel, they say, until this day she was in the line to Christ. She was numbered amongst them. And there was really, in one sense, a double blessing for her. The blood a token. There may be those of you saying, Lord, show me a token for good. Show me a token that I'm one of thy children. Well, God has tokens that he has devised, that he's appointed. They're not arbitrary tokens that don't mean anything or have any significance, but tokens like this one that very clearly do have significance and are directly related to the way that the soul is saved, a soul that believes, a soul that trusts, a soul that obeys, a soul that has the anticipation, and really the church's anticipation as the Old Testament church that Christ would come. So it is our anticipation he'll come again and that we shall meet him in the air and be forever with the Lord. Dear Job, in the midst of his afflictions, he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh will I see God for myself and not another. He had a very clear view of the Lord coming and of the resurrection, and that he should see God. Not someone else, but Job. Though his mortal remains were consumed by worms, yet he should in his flesh see God. And this is the anticipation of the people of God. We read in Hebrews 11, with the summary of those that lived and died by faith, they saw the promises afar off and they embraced them. These promises of Christ and his blood. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. And those that said that, they declared plainly that they sought a country, a city that is in heavenly to come. And so their embracing of the promises their view of this world as strangers and pilgrims and their anticipation of a country to come, a city, a provision in heaven, a prepared people for a prepared place, a people for whom the Lord Jesus Christ shed his precious blood and brings them then to value that blood, trust in him, look to him, and anticipate 
eternal life and blessing through him and him alone. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.